VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hi, I'm Casey Clapp. And I'm Alex Croson. You are invited to take a seat at the table for Completely Arbitrary Season 4 Plant-Based Diet. That's right. This season, we're baking, sautéing, and grilling our way through a cornucopia of trees that feed. We're talking lemon tree, almond tree, and even the dreaded apple. Mm, Alex, don't even get me started. I wouldn't dare. Or would I? And we're teaming up with chefs from all around to showcase the best ingredients our arboreal friends have to offer. And we're sharing their recipes with you. Can you smell what the trees are cooking? It's a delicious new season of Completely Arbitrary. What's up, everybody? Casey. I was going to say, I put my headphones on yeah. entirely, uh-huh. and I didn't know what to do. For a second, I panicked, and I was like, I've done something wrong. Oh, because we always put our headphones on one ear. Yes, so I can hear and and hear at the same time. Yes, it's important to double hear. Freaked me out. Uh, Case. Alex. We just recorded a trailer for, <laughs> for season four of our show. Man been four years already yeah <laughs> that's right it's amazing <laughs> our 400th episode congratulations um, that would actually be eight years we only do 50 less than 50 a year that's right sorry i didn't want to break it to you that way but i i felt ripping the band-aid off would be easier it's gonna Ma- take us eight years yeah i uh yeah we'll talk about that later <laughs> um we're gonna run out of trees uh hey everybody fungal associates at all uh Good. Yeah. So you just heard the trailer for season four. Mm-hmm. I'm we're, very excited about we're it. We're doing plant-based diet. Now, Alex, uh, could you give us a little context there? This sure. is This is uh, a new season about food-producing trees or related yes. trees or related to related to trees. Yeah, all Rather of the above. Food. Yeah. Excellent. It, th- this whole season is about trees that make something that we eat. Yes, and this was your idea. You actually came up with this probably months and months ago where you were stoked about like, hey, could we do this? And we were like, yes, but first we have to try to do the other three things we've come up with. <laughs> yeah, I think I came up, this was like one of my first ideas when we made the podcast. It was yeah. like a season about food. Oh, it's so good though. And when we started looking into it, man, there is, as you said, a cornucopia, Alex. Uh-huh. Like too many things. And we started thinking, like trying to think outside the box. We're not the best at it, but when we do succeed it was like wow there's a whole other realm out there yeah we we thought you know like we're trying to we're trying to um yeah like you said think outside the box like you have your you have your apple episode Mm -hmm. you know you have your peach which we're not doing so that's not a spoiler yeah sorry uh you're kind of go-to fruits yeah but we're also doing some nuts and some seeds some weird things that are are kind of related to it like mushrooms wood things Uh uh-huh yes i think it's gonna be very exciting i completely agree with you casey and we have found at least several not for every episode because some of them we uh we just couldn't quite quite get to but Uh we got several chefs lined up that are going to provide us different uh related recipes to whatever the tree is that we're talking about. Then we're yeah. going to share those um, with you and have uh, have those chefs say a little word and be like, hey, here's what we did. Here's who we are. So you guys can go patronize their establishments yes, or whatever it is that they're doing. And then also try it at home, which That's is kind of right. fun. Yeah, we'll give the recipe. You know, what, you know what we're doing right now, what this is? What? This is like an extended cut of the trailer. 
Yes. We're oh like my gosh. breaking it down it's shot by shot. Patreon. <laughs> right. Now, Alex, when you said that line, what were you feeling? What were you actually going for there? Nothing. When you said, hi, I'm Alex Crozen. Well, Casey, I was numb inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody, you heard a trailer. You're hearing this, whatever this is right now. Next in this episode for this week, you're going to hear a free Patreon episode, something mm-hmm. that we usually charge. Uh, one episode would be $2.50 a month. We give you two for five bucks. That's true. If you join the Patreon at the Arboretum level. Yep. Uh, so this is one of those episodes. It is about fungal associates. And I am so excited about this. This was one of my favorite ones to do um, because, again, fungal associate, the whole term came up from the very first episode. Yeah. And we were talking about a tree and fungal association that is ultimately, if you look at it from the tree's perspective, could be bad. If you look at it from a timber perspective, it's real, real bad. If you look at it from the fungus's perspective, it's a fantastic idea. And it yeah. was it was our opportunity to really talk about the differences in the fungal relationships, you know? Yeah, it's interesting stuff. So I think everyone is going to enjoy it. Again, if you want to get these and other kinds of interesting topics or suggest topics uh, and have them be something that we take a look at and then you can get like from the from the, the hand to the mouth. Is that what I'm thinking? Uh, yeah. What's the term? You know what? For season four, let's say from farm to table. <laughs> from farm to table. That is what is great about the Patreon. You can interact with Alex and I on a much more intimate level. We also will provide all of these really cool, interesting Q&A sessions. We just did one about identifying trees where everyone sent us their a tree they wanted to identify. Uh-huh. And I worked really hard to try to make that happen. <laughs> you did great. Oh, that was a stressful day. We're also, we have a bunch. I mean, we had Casey... <laughs> We only we only do two of these Patreon episodes a month, mm-hmm. but you and I both know that we have so many ideas. Oh yeah, they're, for cool Patreon episodes. They're coming down, yeah, and especially some interactive ones where you might be able to just copy our uh, our our walks or something like that. Yes, here's a spoiler. We are we had talked about doing a live stream, a patron only mm-hmm. live stream. Where we just, uh, I think, where we just hang out and talk about trees. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so if that sounds like something you're interested in, um, n- not me personally, but <laughs> you can join the. <laughs> but Patreon. you'll sacrifice. <laughs> you can join the Patreon. Uh, that's Patreon.com/slash/ArbitraryPod. A R B O R T R A R Y Pod. Casey. There you go. Without further ado, Alex. Yes. I bid you adieu. I bid you adieu. Au revoir. You do. I do. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the Arboretum podcast about trees and other related topics i am your host casey clapp i'm alex crozen <laughs> gotcha sake i'm just kidding my name's solo see through the magic of uh podcast editing i made you think that i was casey clapp but really this is alex talking it's improv <laughs> god we would be so horrible at improv i uh, yeah i used to be really good at it and then i don't think i maintained that oh well you know i studied theater in I didn't college mean, i didn't mean to throw you under the bus that's okay i threw myself under the bus but i say yes to whatever happens to me Alex. oh that's good it's always like, be saying yes improv it's and like tattooed on me you have ta- you have and tattooed on you no i have yes tattooed <laughs> oh. on me. i like i'm just gonna get an ampersand over here hey hell yeah if you're if you're a real design freak you might get an ampersand honestly actually i i might actually get that there you go it's like 50 bucks get in like 10 minutes yeah Anyway. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll do it for you, Casey. That I've never tattooed good. anything, but I'll try. Well, we'll just break one of your pens, met a little bit of the ink, and then you can just stick and poke it for a while. Yeah, I've got plenty of needles laying around here. Great. <laughs> Next time, tell me before I sit down on your couch. <laughs> Don't read anything into that statement. It was a complete <laughs> joke. I have needles for a sewing kit. I recently sewed a button back hey, on my pants. that's pretty good. I fucking burst a button off my pants because I'm getting so fat. That is ridiculous. You are exactly the same size as you've ever been. That's not true. Well, I don't agree with you. <laughs> I don't. I disagree with that distinction. But I like the idea of a button right. bursting. I think I think of like the 
There actually, you know what I think of? Hmm. There's a music video for uh, the Avalanches song called "Because I'm Me," and everyone should go watch it. It's an adorable, adorable video. And at the end of it, the kid in the, of like the main character, he's like, uh, and like leans back, and is like his chest starts to balloon out, oh, wow. and then all the buttons on his coat pop open, and he has this big inflatable heart that comes out. It's adorable. Wow. That sounds great. Yeah. The 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 uh, yeah. It's go watch it. Go check it out. Anywho, but today, Casey, we're not talking about buttons bursting or quarantine weight gain. We are talking about. One of our favorite things, and I mean this with a couple different layers. Yeah, nice. Fungal associates. Kaboom. Casey, fungal associates is a thing that you said in our very first episode. That's true. And me grasping for any sort of identity with this podcast said, mm-hmm. you know what? No, it wasn't me, Casey. I think it was somebody else. It was a it was a listener that yeah. suggested this. And then this. you grasped onto that. That's what it is. Yes, exactly. I stole this idea from this person and no, never looked back. They gifted it to us. They did. Regardless, that's right. We're talking about fungal associates of trees. Yes. That's going to be the topic of today's episode. I will be doing a lot of listening. Well, and maybe asking some follow-up questions. I think it sounds great. And I also uh, would appreciate you having your fun uh, commentary on these things because fungi is super fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can't spell it without fun. Exactly. You can if you call it a mushroom, though. I have a distinct memory of uh, my seventh grade science teacher. Mm-hmm telling us that fungi joke, you know? Oh, uh, like, uh, he's a real fun guy. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. And, like, looking at him and, like, uh, you know, like, at the time, at the time, he was probably, like, younger than I am now. Oh, yeah. And, like, with the same sense of humor. And I thought he was, <laughs> at the time, I thought he was, like, such a dork. And now I've just Look I've become at you. this man. <laughs> just less intelligent. Honestly, I think that that's the trajectory that we all take. Yeah. At some point, you look back and you're like, oh my God, I never thought I would be wearing these clothes. Yeah. We Where just, did I get these? We slowly turn into adults. And yeah. before we even realize it, we're our, we're our moms and dads and, the uh, worst thing. and teachers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, well, Casey, let's jump right in to oh, talking about fungal associates. Right. Um, I don't even know how to introduce it, so I'm going to let you take the ball here. Sounds good. Thanks for the pass. All right, now what we're going to talk about is how we move the ball up the field here, and that's really the objective of the whole sport. Hey, you're supposed to come to me for the sports yeah, stuff. Yeah, God, you're right. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> all right. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to give a quick introduction as to what a fungal associate is, yeah. and then kind of talk about what a fungal association is with trees. Specifically, so here is the when I initially said that it was the Pondera Douglas fir episode, and pseudo suga menziesii. Wow, you are getting good. False hemlock. Yep, false hemlock, fake fir. That's right. So the uh, with fungal associates in that episode, I was actually specifically talking about the Dyer's polypore. That's right. You know, I started to write Dyer's polypore all over the place because it's a nice way to do it. But I've always called it the cow pie fungus. I remember you calling it the cow pie fungus. I just want to go back to it, you know. Maybe that's me also becoming an adult using the the more proper terms. But mm. I, think, I think I'm going to start just going back to it. Every now and then I do this where I'm like, you know what? I don't need to be an adult in this way. I'm going to say it like this. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I can't give you a good example right now. Well, I think you just did. Yeah, great. Cool. Um, I would like to propose calling the Dyer's polypore the pancake fungus. Oh. Because to me, it they look like a stack of of pancakes. I think it sounds great with like turmeric in it or something like that. Yeah, or just like a, a rich batter. I don't know. All right, yeah. I'll take it. All right. A, a so golden the, brown color. Yeah, the pancake fungus then. Yeah. yeah. Depends on, I guess, how long you let them sit out based on how old the fungus is. Mm, I yes. like this. Well, so with those, I call those fungal associates because what I'm trying to do in, uh, in my work in terms of, you know, focusing people on ecology is try to break down the barrier between basically looking at fungus and their association with things as good and bad. Right. Those are my biggest, I I have issues with that. And I just recently um, talked about the fungal associations between the Douglas fir specifically and a bunch of different fungus um, just uh, earlier today, actually at a presentation I gave. And I was focusing on the idea that if you have 
a fungus that is interacting with the tree somehow. We talk about it in just strict, you know, scientific terms that don't have any good or bad connotations with them. Then it's an interaction. Sometimes that interaction benefits both partners. Mm. Sometimes it only benefits one partner. Sometimes one partner's dead and the other partner doesn't really care because it's, you know, just eating a dead thing. Okay. That's not really either one way or the other. But um, trees, and specifically Douglas fir, if we use that kind of as a you know jumping off point, okay. the Douglas fir has so many different associated funguses, fungi with it that if you think about them all strictly as good and bad fungus, then you have to say, well, who's it good for? Who's who's it bad for? It's always in you know reference, right? Right. Yeah. A, a quote bad fungus is is might be bad for the tree but it's good it's a good fungus for the fungus it's good for the fungus and the yeah. fungus is having a great time why are we giving the um the value you know rather we are giving the value to what is right. you know positive and negative in the world i will say we did start a podcast with this premise giving i guess uh, that's <laughs> true yeah well whoops well this is the extra episode from the podcast we can yeah. break all the barriers <laughs> it doesn't count nothing <laughs> it doesn't we've count. done matters <laughs> we can talk about real science here that's right for well, you science heads. Yeah, thanks you guys. We're I'm using I'm using hyphen heads too much. I think it's okay. Have we, you noticed this? I did, but but it's uh, I think it just happens. I I you, I use the term uh, ironically freak every now and then where like someone says like, "Oh man, give me that mayonnaise I want to put on my pizza." I'm like, "You're just a you're a freak." <laughs> and I, I mean that like, you know, the super freak kind of way, you know, yeah, where you know exactly. But then um, I said it like one too many times and I was like, "Now it's just a derogatory term. I can't use this anymore." Oh, wow. Yeah, so I just have to give it a, give it a second to like you know cool down in my brain so that when I use it again, everyone's like, "Oh, that's a new term I'd never heard Casey say. That's fun." <laughs> and then yeah, then it, then it can you know the context it, it fits it back down. It gets a little bit too overblown. So I think that's where you're at. Yeah, you know yeah. how I yeah I, we, you mentioned earlier you commented earlier when we were off mic how I'll get like really invested in one food type. Oh yeah, like I'm I'll get like really into mortadella and like mm. try all the mortadella I could find. Uh, and that way with words, I find a word that I like and I just you find any opportunity to use it. Yeah, I think that's great. That honestly gets the word in your vernacular. So you're using it often. Quite. I try to just come up with new ways to describe something. This is actually something if you, if you know me well enough and long enough, probably and you hear me talk, I've had multiple people say this. They're like, well, you know, sometimes I think you just say something and you don't even know what, what it's actually coming out of your mouth. <laughs> And and I'm like, yeah, hundred hundred percent that happens to me pretty often. <laughs> and then I always add on to it. I'm like, yes, but when that comes out, I usually try to then twist the rest of the sentence to not mm. make complete not be complete nonsense. Yeah. So I just uh, yeah, and it, I think it's a it's an exercise for me <laughs> to be able to always continue to talk and make a complete sentence and just have them like that was the most long-winded, circuitous sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, it's because I accidentally said the wrong word. You accidentally started the <laughs> sentence. Yeah, exactly. So I, I got to finish it now. I think I called you out on this exact same thing last week. I think probably, yeah. Anyway. Anywho, fungal associates. Yeah. So we were. what I was talking about with that Douglas verse specifically is that the fungal associate, in this case, the dyer's polypore, the cow pie fungus, or the pancake fungus, it is a decay fungus that causes the interior basal section of the Douglas fir tree and a couple other trees. And for those of you who may not be familiar with these terms, the basal section is just basically the base of the stem of the tree, where okay. it hits the ground, where the stem transitions into the roots. Where the stump would be. Exactly, yeah. It would be the stump. That's okay. exactly right. So um, this fungus is right there in that central area, kind of like the heart of the tree, right mm. there in the uh, that transition zone. And it just sits there. It enters in through the roots. Somewhere and it starts to decay out the central older wood, the heartwood in that area. Hmm. And it decays up the stem and it decays out the roots in these old spaces. So it creates these cavernous sort of uh, cavities inside these trees. Especially if there is a, a wound on the side, then it can enter in through the side. Oh. And, and then you get these actual little cavities that you can see from the outside of a tree, right? Okay. You're like, oh, yeah, there's a hole in that tree. You know, you'll stick a stick in there or, you know, look for skunks or something like that. 
So is that why they grow on the side, like sticking off like little shelves? Well, that's actually a thing. For the dyer's polypore, they don't do that. They're not a shelf fungus. Oh. They grow from the ground upwards of maybe two or three feet from the base of the tree. They grow from the roots. I see. And they pop up from there. So you can usually find them. If you find one, there's a dead Douglas fir or a dying, not necessarily dying, but there's a Douglas fir that it's nearby because that fungus is usually going to grow on a Douglas fir. I see. So, but here's the thing. Douglas firs have existed for millions of years. This fungus has existed for millions of years. Anything that exists for millions of years inevitably is going to have the, uh, the evolutionary time to come up with a solution to whatever problem it is, you know, it, it's inhabiting, or I'm sorry, in, see, here's, that's where I'm trying to make a word up that starts with in. Oh. In... Uh, a problem that it is <laughs> that it in, in it's it, running into. There's a word I'm gonna think of it. One okay, of these days. inhibited by it that in, is yeah that inhibits works. It. Yeah. yeah, see, yeah, this is how we come up. See, now it's a brain game. Oh gosh, I mean, we should come up with this as a brain. Hey, game. Hey, another game. Yeah. I'm writing this idea down. Oh, gosh, don't do it. <laughs> Anyway, so you have enough time for the Douglas fir to, um, it gets, one Douglas fir gets affected by it. And then you know that now this fungus, and this is millions of years ago, now all of a sudden this fungus and this Douglas fir are in this interaction. So if that fungus kills that Douglas fir, then evolutionary, over evolutionary time, that Doug fir and all the other ones will die that are really susceptible. And the ones that are better able to fight against this fungus will continue to live. Even if it's just a little bit longer, they'll make a little bit more seed. They'll slowly but surely take over the rest of the forest. And this is like over long, long periods of time. Okay. So once you let this happen, and you, it's almost like an arms race where the trees get better at fighting off the fungus, but the fungus gets better at beating the tree's defenses mm. over and over and over. So theoretically, some trees you know, will win that race for whatever reason. Other times, the fungus will win that race, and then a whole you know, species of tree may disappear because it gets attacked by this fungus that it just can't, have, or can't, um, can't handle. Has that happened? Um, it has, actually. Not quite. Um, I couldn't give you 100% answer but a great example is the american chestnut and the chestnut blight wow it's a blight that came from i think europe initially it was brought over on something it's an airborne um uh blight i think it's a fungus of some kind um but it basically blocks up the arteries of the trees <gasps> and kills them so that it can't get water to to the it, uh, no yeah it, water doesn't go up and then things come down the leaves all die and it basically just oh gets this chlor God. uh this uh it, i basically describe it as um uh, cholesterol inside the veins of the trees. Jesus. Yeah. So they just That's basically. Gruesome. Oh, it's awful. And these were one of the most populous trees in the entire country. Legend has it. If you were a um, squirrel, you could go from the Mississippi out to the Atlantic Ocean by just jumping from chestnut trees. Incredible. American chestnuts. Incredible. Mind blowing species of tree. Every single one on the East Coast, on the Eastern Seaboard, in the Eastern side of the country, 100% dead except for the roots. Wow. And it's because this blight, which it existed in the world, the blight, but it existed on other trees elsewhere. Those trees had lived with this blight for long enough that they started to have develop resistance to it over mm -hmm. time. Immunity, basically. So the blight existed, but it would maybe kill off a tree here, maybe kill off a weak tree here, but really strong trees, they just kind of cook through it and just keep going. I see. But our American tree did not have any defenses for it, so it just got decimated. Jeez. So we have a couple that are like growing on the West Coast that are just far enough away that they haven't been affected by it because they're airborne spores. If there's no source, there's no, there's no source. Yeah. Then you don't get affected. So it can happen. Um, but with the Douglas fir and these other fungal associates, you can have this arms race happen for a really, really long time. As that whole thing develops, yeah, and it, like right now, it's happened for millions of years. Surely so. So you got to wonder, like, if it's this arms race that's happening, at one point, isn't that just a relationship that exists, you know, mm. rather than this fungus is always attacking this tree in an ad, you know, ad antagonistic kind of way, right. and the tree is always trying to fight against it? It's like, well... I don't know, maybe they have some mutual understanding or maybe the tree's like, honestly, 
I just really don't care about about that. Like it's it's all this inert wood inside. I don't want it to decay, but if it does decay, I'm just going to keep on cooking and just keep going. It reminds me a bit of the relationship between squirrels and oaks. Yes, right? The mast years and all that. That's a great way to look at it. And if you think about that with a fungus, I think a lot of times people just can't give fungus credit because it's not so animate as a squirrel or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, actively the squirrel is eating all the stuff that the oak tree put a lot of effort into. So it's like, well, it kind of seems like a jerk that the squirrel is doing that. But then the oak tree still, you know, freely gives it away. Yeah. But... Um, in this kind of fungal association, it is what we call a parasitic fungal associate or fungal association. And what that means is that the fungus is living off of the tree itself. And as a, in the same way that a parasite would live off of whatever host it is, where if you take away the Douglas fir or you kill the Douglas fir, inevitably you're going to kill the fungus as well. So a parasitic, um, event like that where you can have something that's clearly antagonistic like the chestnut blight yeah that's going to come through it's going to kill the tree there's no there's no relationship there in sort of like is there a little bit of a win a little bit of a loss it's like no the blight wins every time the tree loses every time 100 percent in any mm. direction whereas with the um the cow pie fungus that tr- does not kill the tree immediately it sits there and just cooks just sits on the on the thing eats a little bit here and there and yeah. then it, and then it grows more and then the tree continues to live so it's like well okay i i get that one thing is using the other but is it that bad right i mean if it lasts and the tree can live with it for literally hundreds of years inevitably if the center of the tree decays too much and a big windstorm comes and the tree's not structurally able to stand up, then the fungus caused, quote-unquote, the tree to die because it fell over, ripped itself in half because it didn't have the structural support at the base that it needed. Okay, yeah, you can blame the fungus for that, but it still maybe lived there inside the tree and took 150 years to actually make this you know cavity big enough that it destabilized the tree. Right. So that that seems like oh you know, yeah I, I don't know you know also I mean correct me if I'm wrong I might I probably am but isn't the most important if the dyer's polypore excuse me the pancake fungus wow is feeding off of the what the heartwood yeah of the of the of the uh, Douglas fir mm-hmm. isn't the heartwood like the least important wood in the tree exactly yeah it's more or less just the old stuff it's not moving water up or down right it's, it's just like that structural support that the tree is kind of built on, yeah. you know? But it's it's a similar idea as the, um, the rather, trees will adapt and react in a similar way as the Eiffel Tower is built, where the tree, as the, the basal area decays and gets less and less structurally sound, mm-hmm. then it actually physically moves more at that location because okay. it's, it's just a little bit, there's, there's less physical matter holding it in place, right? Yeah. So then... The tree, as it gets these little tiny movements in it, it reacts and says, oh man, there's these little teeny tiny micro microscopic tears in the outer area and it gets, um, basically, uh, it not inhibits, it uh, stimulates, thank you, (laughs) it it stimulates growth on those areas. Just like if you lift up the same box 100 times, your muscles just get like little teeny tiny tears and and that stimulates more muscle growth to make them stronger. Interesting. Same exact thing happens with trees. Okay. So you can get what they call bottle butt trees where it looks like a beer bottle or something with a big fat base that then kind of skinnies down to a smaller um, neck. Okay. And so you'll have trees that look like that, Douglas firs, and you can be willing to bet there's a fungus growing in the base of that Douglas fir. Wow. And that fungus is causing the tree to react by putting on more wood on the base of that tree to strengthen it. And then sometimes you see it and you can clearly guess. Other times you don't see it at all and you're just like, yeah, the tree's just growing. Uh, it's just a big tree and there's a fungus growing inside very slowly. Quick side question. Yes. Is that what a burl is? No, not quite. Okay. No, a burl is kind of a, um, it's it's almost like a, a tumor kind of thing in, in one yeah. regard. And, but it's also can be like just a weird growth pattern where like buds, for whatever reason, just start popping out. Like bud, bud, okay. bud, 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 bud. But then every time you get a bud, the next year the tree puts on a little bit of wood where that little bud came out. And so you get like these really weird like, 
300 buds in one spot. Each one has to put on a ring and they kind of come out in weird patterns. Oh, it's like ingrown hairs in a beard. Yes, exactly. Okay. But it goes outwards. It's like outgrown hairs. Oh, geez. That's ingrown, outgrown hairs. Fucking nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, because each time it grows out, it's as solid as wood. Yikes. (laughs) I Googled bottle butt tree. Oh. Uh, Keep your safe search on. <laughs> Getting some interesting images. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, no, there's there's a few here that I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like I've seen something like this yeah. just walking around. You probably have. Yeah. And that's what made me ask about burls because ah. uh, they look, you know, like you could easily easily confuse. The most layman definitely. like me could easily confuse a burl with a with a bottle butt. Yes, most definitely. But these the a, a a tree that has that kind of reaction, it would be much longer and uniform in maybe the bottom 10, 20 feet of the tree. Okay. Rather than one big, like specific, like discrete spot yes. that just kind of pops out with some weird growth. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um so anyway, with these kind of fungal associations, you have a tree that is living with a fungus. Just kind of like if you think about um the tree as an ecosystem in and of itself, then the tree is, in fact, has things living on it, has things living in it, has things living off of it. Like, everything is involved with the tree as one ecosystem. It's pretty cool. Yeah, especially these trees live, each one, a Douglas fir, 500 years is a normal size or normal age for these trees just to chill. It's crazy. 800 years is easily, they, they can do 800 years, that's a really old tree. It's probably like at the end of its lifespan just mm. because these associations end up bringing it down. Wow. But easily 500 years, 400 years, not even blinking an eye for these trees. So that gives you enough time to have a bunch of different relationships with fungus that are actively slowly eating what you have. But just like the sugar maple, it gives a little bit of its sap to us or to whatever, you know, different bird species is using it. Um, And it's like, well, technically, yeah, it's hurting the tree, but it's, it's also like, I mean, it, the tree's still there. Like we still take care of this tree because it exists and give us gives us this little give and take, you know? Yeah. So the the thing that when it comes to values is are we saying only if you take what the fruit is very clearly giving, like a seed or a fruit or something like that. That is a positive thing that we are supposed to take. Anything that we take in any other way, we being any animal or any other thing that lives. Or is that make us bad, or is that just make us like, well, actually, we're just going to take. I'm just going to take a little bit of your elbow for the next twenty years. Mm. Yeah, at some point, you're not going to be able to use your elbow, but yeah, you were able to do everything else for the rest of your life, and like, you know, I need your elbow. It is associative. I think it is. Well, and go ahead. Well, I was going to add that if you think about it and you continue your your line of thought in terms of an ecosystem, that hollow in that tree is a home for something. Whether it starts to decay the wood and then an ant gets in there, that ant gets in there and is like, this is the best place in the world. I'm going to eat all these little holes in here and I'm going to make a little ant home and then I'm going to have all my ant friends and family come in and we're going to make a huge, huge colony. We make this big colony. These ants go down. They collect all these different things. They you know, mine out the inside of this tree like dwarfs. Then they, and I mean that in the Lord of the Rings sense of the word. As soon as I said that, I was like, Casey, you're such an asshole. Sorry. I mean like the mythical dwarves who, Mines of Moria, that's what I was, I regret saying that. Of course. No, that's like a, that's like a comparison that I would make. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So they, uh, so these, all these ants get in there and then they, they live a nice life. And then all of a sudden a woodpecker is hanging around and the woodpeckers can just like walk up onto a tree, listen, and they're like, there is a bonanza of food in here. They mm. peck in there. They start eating the ants, and then you get this. Now you you have two different animals that are living off of what that fungus created inside of that tree, which is just a decayed section. Yeah. Then if that tree grows up, or um, let's take a different species, like a, a big gigantic oak tree over on the east coast. It's a huge tree. Decay comes in and, where an old branch was, and you get this big like two foot wide opening. That two-foot-wide opening is the perfect habitat for a little black bear. That little black bear is going to climb in there, and she is pregnant, and she's going to sit in there and have her children inside this den during the wintertime. And then the babies come out. Honestly, I need to stop. I don't know if that is exactly how bears, black bears specifically, do that, but I know polar bears go into their den, have their kids, and then come out. So maybe black bears do too. Either way, you I've seen photos of these big old hollowed out trees that 
have entire little families of black bears and you like peek over the top of this little long, wow. this little thing and there's these like eight little eyes <gasps> blinking up at you and you're like, Sweet. oh, it's adorable. Oh, I love bears. Yeah, and so that can only happen if a fungus hollows out that tree. If there is no fungus inside that tree, no matter how big that tree is, it will not be hollow. And if it's not hollow, it's not habitat. The best habitat for any, almost any animal that uses trees as a home, as a, a larder, as something, the best habitat is usually what's worse for the trees. Right. It's usually what's worse for the people who are underneath these trees, you know? Yeah, there's like a sliding scale of like, you know, on one end is the tree is perfectly healthy and it's all about the tree and the tree is like a solitary figure. Yeah. And then at the absolute other end, it's like there are 15 different species of animal and insect like use and fung and fungi everything using and living in this tree and you also have the tree like the tree is still technically what alive exactly like yeah um, there's green on the top the outside is where it's living but then yeah. you also have moss and you have little ferns and oh, then yeah. in the redwoods and like the rainforest over here if you get these big old growth trees there's actually entire ecosystems just on a single branch on a tree man that's crazy yeah like birds the um a, a couple of the um endangered species over here the oh the marbled murelet is one it lives in an area that has such large trees covered with such amounts of moss. It doesn't even make a nest. It just wow. lays its eggs on top of these branches that are so huge that they're flat on top with all this moss. And they just, bloop, there's an egg there. They fly out 100 miles into the sea, catch a bunch of fish, and then come back. That is glorious. Isn't that crazy? So we have parasitic yes. fungal associations. That's right. We have uh, the the dyer's... Uh, style is that parasitic that's parasitic okay yeah. what other kind of associations can we find there are two others that i really think are two other big ones that i always work with okay. um one or the, the other big one that everyone loves which is the most fascinating thing that i think it exemplifies two things one mm. we still have a lot more to learn and two that we do not give enough credit to the forest as a, as a, a working system. Okay. Um, it's kind of like, uh, and I know I haven't told you what it is, but I want to tell you what I believe it is. I believe once we like fully anticipate or fully understand and like appreciate the relationship that I'm going to talk about here in a second, then I think it opens your eyes to being like, wow, I thought I knew trees. And then you like zoom out and you were looking at the tip of this iceberg. Wow. Of what the world actually is and how it works. Should we save this for last? No. Okay. Because the other one, okay, real quick aside. Yeah. The other one's just the decay fungus that don't get on anything that's alive. They just decay dead wood. Okay. And they just turn things back into the soil. They're just like the recyclers. That's pretty sick too. Which, you know, other trees or other fungus, these other these other fungus do that as well. But some only do that. I like ending with that one. Okay, yeah, we'll end with that one. All it's right. a life cycle, right? Yes, exactly. So while the tree is alive and it's working with, it could have this, uh, the dyer's polypore, a parasitic fungus or two growing in different parts of it. Hmm. You also get mycorrhizal fungi. Mycorrhizal fungi. That's it, which just literally means mushroom root. Oh. Myco for mushroom, rhizo for rhizomes. I was about to Google the etymology, and I have an etymology Googleist right here. That's me. What does it say? Did I get it right? Well, micro from fungi and rhiza from root. Yeah. English and Greek. There it is. And modern Latin is micro, 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 rhiza. Thank you. So mycorrhizal fungi is the next big thing. And a lot of people were super turned on to trees and tree things by the recent book that came out. I guess it's not recent anymore. Um, the Hidden Life of Trees. Oh, yes. And it's a great book. Um, I read it. It's, you know, it's, I love the book because it, it opens people's eyes and minds to what trees are and how they work. I don't really like it because there's a whole bunch of anthropomorphism in it. I run a podcast that's about anthropomorphizing <laughs> trees and like saying, well, I don't like this tree because it's, it's attitudes is a little bit, I don't like the attitude of the tree. You know? Yeah. It's like, okay, I get it. So, but on this, the book, um, they really yuck it up like a, a little too much for my taste. But the thing is, my taste is I've also studied this and have an understanding of it. So I see it in a little bit different fashion. For sure. Um, but at the same time, um, this guy who does the book, um, Wallenberg, I think is, is Wallenberg 
Um, I can't remember his name. He's a German man, see. and I keep on saying his name wrong. Peter Wallenben. Wallenben, that's it. So, um, but he's worked with trees in a very hands-on fashion as a forester, and he's noticed and seen all these things, read the papers, and now he, you know, basically gives the trees credit in a way that I guess I'm just trained not to do, where he says, these trees are talking to each other, these trees like each other, these trees um, have all these different humanized emotions towards each other which is fine, but basically it all goes through the fungal network. And then, this is not even a pun, so I, I usually don't like using puns. At least I like using them sparingly. Yeah, we're not punny here. The, <laughs> the wood wide web is what they call it. Oh, my Lord. I know, but say it again, Alex. It's not a pun. It's, a, it's just, a, it's just it's a term. Just the words sounds. that mean what they are. Exactly. The wood Ooh. wide web. Yep. <laughs> oh, it makes it's, my skin crawl. <laughs> I know it does. <laughs> it is literally a fungal mat, a fungal uh, network okay. throughout the entire forest. The mycorrhizal fungi within a forest, there are a hundreds and hundreds of different species. There are thousands of different species of fungus that live in the forest, doing anything from decomposing very specific things, like the one I have tattooed on my arm, which is a fungus that only grows and lives on Douglas firs. I'm sorry, Douglas fir cones. That's all it does. It grows on there, it it decays those, and then it blooms, or it puts out its mushrooms and its spores, goes finds others. Cute. And then there's others that do it only on spruce cones. And then there are other fungus that grow only on this side of the bark. And there are fungus that only grow and decay these kinds of trees or these plants. There are mycorrhizal fungi that only get on ericaceous plants, which are like the heathers and the heaths and the rhododendrons and the madrones and things like that. Then there are other species that live inside pea plants and the alders. And those are this kind of fungus bacteria. I think it's actually bacteria. They live within these nodules inside the uh, these very specific places inside the roots of these trees. Mm. And they create nitrogen. Then there are, uh, so I guess they're technically not fungus, sidestep. Um, mycorrhizal fungi that work with only specific trees, only conifers, only specific conifers. There are some that work only with trees that are in the pine family versus only trees that are in the cypress family versus only trees that are maybe in the um, what used to be Taxodiaceae, which is the family with redwoods and sequoias and uh, bald cypress, Don Redwood, those things. All these different associations are a mycorrhizal network that is overlapping in and around the Hmm. soil network and the the duff layer there. So all you have to do is just go into a forest that's not even, it doesn't even have to be untouched. You can just walk into a forest that's been left alone for a while. Just pull back some of the needles and you'll find all these like white filaments and you'll find this like white stuff. Yeah. That's all, that's this network. Really? And it's all microscopic and it goes... 100% 100% throughout the forest floor. In fact, there's some weird stat out there that's like, you know, you can you can reach yourself to the moon or the mile or like there's 20 miles worth of fungal filaments in there or something like that because they're so small. But yes. Um, okay. This is something I did not know existed until just now. Yeah. It's a pretty cool idea. It, like I said, the tip of the iceberg when you consider all the stuff we're about to talk about. Okay. But what do you think? I just think it's a lot. I mean, like that. I, 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 this is like a lay. It's like, it's like discovering that there's like life on Mars. Yeah. That's a good, that's a great example. Um, also, I'm curious, like, ballpark me here. Yeah. Don't, don't go too deep into this. Sure. But in the, in your average Pacific Northwest temperate forest, mm-hmm. uh, how many species of fungi are at play, do you reckon? Are we, I mean, we're talking thousands, hundreds of thousands? I would say thousands at the minimum. Okay. Tens of thousands at the maximum. Tens of thousands. Yeah. Like okay. there, um, I have a book that is, um, it's called All That the Rain Brings and More. Hmm. And it's a little handy pocket guide. I highly recommend it for anyone who wants a great book for mushroom hunting out in the Pacific Northwest. All That the Rain Promises and More. Yes, that's it. And this is by David, David Aurora. Aurora. He also, sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Yeah, I know this guy. Yeah, he's he's he also makes a great one called um, Fungi or Fungus Demystified, I think is what it is. Huh. Mushrooms Demystified. But that's like a big, thick textbook, and it almost does every single species, at least in North America, maybe? 
Jeez. I'm not sure, but it's thick. Like it's a two or three inch thick book. And it is intense. It's thorough. It's amazing in if you're, you know, into that kind of book. Um and honestly, if you ask him, he he might say, Yeah, there's there's tens of thousands, but also not only is there tens of thousands, there's probably tens of thousands we don't know about. Oh, wow. And that doesn't even get into the tropics. Oh, man. We got to cut it off there. I can't do it. Okay, My, yeah. And your, your brain expands too far, and it collapses in on Let's <laughs> Let's move on. But I will say, All That the Rain Promises and More, this is maybe my favorite book cover of all time. It's so good. What I don't is know it? What, I don't know what he's doing. He's sneaking around in a tuxedo with a trumpet mushroom and an actual trumpet. Yeah, the guy, it's a, I, I, I think he was a, um, the, I think they address it in the book somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's a trumpeter who's like a professional musician. Yeah. And uh, he has this, his pocket or this, his hands are full of chanterelle mushrooms. Chanterelles, okay. Yeah, and he found them. And in the book, they're like, yeah, if you get the opportunity, you see a good mushroom, you got to get it. And so he's, he's like sneaking away. Yeah, it's because he's like, well, look at him. He does not look dressed to go out and do mushroom hunting right now. <laughs> That's amazing. It's There's a- chanterelles. I thought they were trumpets. Be- I, think, I thought he was making a, a, oh, some sort of connection there. I see. Well, I highly recommend that book. It is, is, is that cover throughout the book is the f- other fun little things. It's, it's probably the funnest book in the world. Wow. I, I want to read it now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I'll, I'll let you see my copy and take it out for a while. Thanks. Um, so the mycorrhizal fungi network, um, it exists. It's in that top like organic layer of um, the soil. So maybe the top foot or so. Okay. And it is doing two main things. One, that fungus is able to decompose and absorb nutrients that the trees cannot. So hmm. we also, like we brought up earlier, those decomposing or decomposers, um, those fungi will take something, a fallen leaf. They will get on that leaf and they will metabolize all the different carbon parts on there and they will turn them back into, instead of you know old proteins and chlorophylls and things like this and cellulose, they will break it apart and they will put it back into usable water-soluble things in the soil. Okay. Whether that is um, a different nitrogen compound or a different carbon compound, all sorts of different stuff. They will use that and they will turn it into their own bodies. They will metabolize it and, you know, literally burn it as fuel. Or they will decompose that and then have it in their own or just let it go back into the soil. Then these other fungus will come and they will be, oh, that's what I want. And they'll absorb it. And this might be a very specific thing that only they are able to absorb. Maybe it's um, nitrogen that's a nitrate. Um, I, well, I can't remember the difference between nitrate and nitrite, which one is good and which one's bad. But um, they can, for instance, take nitrate and metabolize it into nitrite, and then nitrite can be absorbed by the tree roots. Okay. So this fungus will have one filament attached to these tree roots, and they literally are, some go into the tree roots and like into the individual cells. Hmm. Like the um, the avatar things where they take the, the their hair and the thing from the animal and they become one. Hmm. It's kind of like that with a tree root. But the tree root is like the size of your hair. Uh, no, the tree root would be the size of your finger, and the fungal filament is the size of your hair so it's like a little parasite going in exactly and so they basically make this little deal the tree gives it a little bit of sugar and a little carbohydrate and then the fungus will go out and find and be able to absorb because it's fungus filaments fungal filaments are so tiny it can get into the tiniest little cracks the tiniest little pores it can get between little sand particles and pull out that water Mm. it can absorb those tiny things that are locked away take it into its body and then transfer it over to the tree now, Peter from uh, Peter Wallenben would say the fungus gives it to the tree and the tree gives this other thing back to the fungus. Scientists would say that there is a gradient and whenever you have salt water and you have um, like osmosis, salt water on one side of a barrier, normal water on the other side of the barrier, but they can pass through the barrier. The salt water and the salts will literally osmose through this membrane into the other side so that both of them are in balance and have the same amount of salts on either side. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like if you put a, if you put a hot pot on a cold surface 
eventually they will both reach the same temperature. Precisely. Thanks. That's exactly it. Okay. So it's the same exact concept. And so it's just called a, a gradient where you have osmosis working, where there's more sugars on one side and there's less sugars on the other. They want to be in balance. I see. Yep. So the tree will actively pull in these nitrogen things and these other oh. compounds and the fungus will actively pull out these sugars. And that is a relationship. That's an association. It's exactly an association. Wow. It's, so, but not... Not only that, Alex, there's one more like incredible thing to add to this. Okay. Not only do does it increase the ability of this tree or these trees to, you know, get these different things, that one fungus or that one species of fungus will have this network going throughout the forest. It will connect with this Douglas fir, that hemlock, that spruce, this alder, maybe, a couple of these other small plants in between these herbs all this different stuff. So now, not only is it connecting two individual trees, because you're going to have tree, Douglas for A, Douglas for B. Douglas for A's and B's roots do not touch, but they both touch the same fungus. Oh, okay. Now those two are connected by the wood wide web. Wow. They can They're now, online, exactly. baby. Exactly. And then you can get Douglas for A, who has the all the water in the world. It has a bunch of water. The fungus is like, yeah, I need a bunch of water. No way. Tree B is like, I'm pretty thirsty right now. I don't have enough water. Gradient, where does the water end up going? You're kidding me. Exactly. I am not kidding you. This has been documented. They've taken radioactive uh, like particles, put it in one tree, and then tested other trees around it because they're like, we only put it on this one tree. Yeah. So if it's in these other trees, it's because it passed through the roots from one tree to the other. And then they've actively found that it goes through the fungus as well. Wow. So that is... That is like the thing that like really throws people. It's like not only is it this network that seems like, okay, cool, temperature gradient, you know, gradients, these things, you know, equal out. Cool. Now all of a sudden you have literally one tree sharing water with another tree through this fungus. And the tr- it's the fungus doing it, right? Like the trees don't know what's going on. Theoretically. Well, theoretically I the fungus. Saying, yeah. saying no what's going on, that's, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, but we'll, we should use that because it's an easy way to kind of conceptualize it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you're exactly right. The trees don't really know what's going on. The trees are just making this exchange. But what is what did the what is the how does the fungus benefit from making that swap? From saying, "Oh, this this Doug fir is thirsty. Yeah. This one has lots of extra water. Why don't we bring some water to this thirsty Doug fir? What does the mushroom? What does the uh, fungus get out of it? It's not that the fungus is actively facilitating it. It's that the fungus is also connected to those roots, getting water or nutrients or whatever it is. So, if, oh, and it's the osmosis that's exactly. that's just sort of happening naturally. Yes, it would okay. be as if okay. you and I have a straw between us. The straw is not actively giving you or I." more water i'm sucking through the straw and taking water from you because you have water to give it's pretty hot yeah yeah, i know exactly it's long (laughs) ass straw okay that's isn't that wild yeah that's kind of that's kind of i i like you're gonna have to sit on this for a while i feel like i can see a new color it's like (laughs) that's a great way to look at it we'll just hit my microphone like the that really makes me um you know like that 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 really that really i man I'm like having a hard time processing it. It's a, it uh, you just said you learned about it today, which is fantastic for me to like go through this with you. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, hey, I need to, can I talk to you about this, you know, this big thing? It's like almost like I'm indoctrinating you into a religion. You yeah. Know? Well, that's not where it stops. Oh, boy. I know. Here's a little bit more. Not only is it, you with, with your question, there's two other things. Your question to what's the, what's the fungus gaining it is also, it's gaining because it's getting, A, the resources from two trees now. And so oh. it's able to work between both of those Douglas firs. Not only that, all the other Douglas firs in the network, because it's not like it has, I got you and I got you and that's all I can do. It's an unlimited amount of fungal filaments going to an unlimited amount of plants as long as it can just keep on growing outwards. Okay. And maybe there'll be a couple species, but a lot of times if their genes are similar enough, they just like add on. They just become one big thing, wow. one big fungus. Um, but they can also, and different species will do different things. Some specialize in only one kind of tree or one family or species or genus of trees. Others will just do whatever. So there are some that actively will get a couple different species, and it's literally just a, di- a diversifying their investment, where they're like, well, I, I'm going to get all this nitrogen be- from these alders because they just put out so much nitrogen. But this tree over here is incredible at making sugars, and I just want all those you know, really good sugars. Mm. And I can get 
all these other things from these decomposed, you know, uh, stuff, and I can absorb these nutrients, give it to both of these trees, then they give me this other stuff. And then if one tree dies for whatever reason, the fungus doesn't care. It still has connections with all these other buddies. Yeah. So... On top of that, the trees can also, if they get injured for whatever reason, a beetle attacks, those trees through this fungal network can alert the other trees for the same reason. Are you familiar with like stress hormones in humans? Yeah. Where if I'm super stressed, you can actually pick up on it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I think science these days is saying that not only do you pick up on like someone's demeanor where you're like a little bit worried, like you can notice it in their faces, but you can also smell it. Like it's, we don't detect it, but there's little teeny tiny pheromones that are going from me to you. That's like part of what we, part of what we call empathy. I think so. Yeah. uh, Is that... I can sense that something's wrong, which makes me feel uncomfortable. But what part of what's actually happening is that you're like releasing stuff through your like armpits. Yes. That I'm smelling and it's triggering something in my brain that says, that says, Ooh, <laughs> one of my brethren is in trouble. I should be worried. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is a natural response in terms of you needing to say something's wrong. I should be alert. Yeah. And then, you know, you're doing that. Yeah. Trees will do the same thing. They will release these organic compounds, uh, with volatile organic compounds, which basically as soon as they reach the air, they just kind of turn into gas hmm. and they will flow over to other trees via the wind and they will go from one leaf to the other leaf and the leaf will then say oh i'm i'm now getting this hormone in my leaf or this pheromone of whatever type that will then trigger that leaf to produce more of that hormone just as a, a you know response to say you know some dangers insect eats a eats a leaf you know but that also is not only transferred from the leaf it through the air to the other leaf, it's made and goes into the rest of the tree and the rest of the tree from leaf from a leaf on the tree's west side, it needs to tell the leaves on the east side. So then it goes through the cambium and the whole rest of the tree has hmm. this reaction. It also goes down into the roots and the roots say, oh, I need to start producing and sending up these different things. And these are all just chemical reactions if you look at it in, you know, the scientific way. So it, the, the chem, the chem, let me, okay, hold on. So <laughs> we broke Alex. The, the chemical compound that's released from the in trouble tree. Yeah. Lands on the leaf of another tree. Mm-hmm. And then that, that leaf absorbs that chemical and sends it out throughout the tree, throughout the cambium to all the rest of the tree. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so that's one, that's one means, but you also have, you know, each, the tree A produces it on the east side and then it hits all the other trees on the east side, but then it goes through tree A's rest of the tree through the cambium to the west side and gets all the trees on the west side. Okay. It will also go into the ground, into the roots, into the fungus. And and tells the, the fungus. And then tells the other trees. Oh my God. And it's all like about these gradients and there's theoretically other things going on to it you know i don't want to just boil this all down to chemical reactions and gradients because what is love other than a chemical reaction you know it's like well i don't know but it's kind of more isn't it? it's different you know yeah so we just don't speak mushroom we don't speak tree we can just look at it observe and you know say well i think scientifically i can explain this like this Hmm. and but it really comes down to this fungal association is working at the same time as these other fungal associations where you have those parasitic fungus who are making homes for other things. You have these same exact fungus working with and against the tree. I guess it's not necessarily that equal. They usually don't. If it's parasitic, it's going to be parasitic and not um uh, mycorrhizal. Um, but you can have mycorrhizal and parasitic fungus on the same tree at the same time doing different things. Wow. And these are all within the same soil rhizosphere where the, all the roots of these trees are. And it is a mind-blowingly complex relationship. And then these mushrooms pop up and then animals eat the mushrooms. People eat the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And you, it, when you like really start to conceptualize the scale of that on an entire forest, like an old growth forest, when you cut down all those trees, not only are you removing the literal tree itself, you're removing whatever else was on that tree growing and living and you know all that other stuff, but you're also affecting the fungus because the fungus are like, I can't live without those trees. Yeah. <laughs> they were giving me all my food. You cut down all those trees, the fungal uh, network in the ground also dies. If not dies, it at least goes dormant and just eats very slowly whatever it can get. Wow. Because it can still function. Some of them certainly, some of them can't. They found this in Southern Oregon. They would cut down a bunch of Douglas fir, plant a bunch of new Douglas fir, and then they would just not do anything. And they're like, oh, 
come on, we're playing the same Douglas fir. What's happening? Oh, they wouldn't grow? They wouldn't grow because it's so dry and so hot and a lot of times has a very specific soil type oh. where the fungus had to be there for that tree to even live. They they unplugged the the network. They did. They destroyed the matrix. Wow, man. Yeah, really makes you look at logging, you know, in such a detrimental way. I was yeah. just thinking that, Casey. Yeah, so it's, you know. If, if I can make another stupid, uh, oversimplified comparison. It's like I feel like I feel like the 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 one more time micro myco myco mycorrhizal my, fungi mycorrhizal fungi network yes um the m r <laughs> I can't my <laughs> it's too late to make acronyms on the, of I words like I the, don't even know I like the idea though <laughs> uh it's like if you know if like uh if guardian angels were a thing yeah you know it's like the guardian angels of the forest I think that's a great description like of it unseen yeah. but like it 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 keeps the it keeps everything moving keeps everybody everything healthy active. that's yeah. interesting well to wrap it all up that is the the entire idea of these fungus connecting a forest it is the entire idea is to make one consider the fact that it's not an individual tree it's not a series of trees that makes a forest it's all the series of trees and the relationships that all of those individuals have with each other. And it goes between species of tree. It goes between species of trees and species of shrubs and species of herbs and, and fungus. And then all the other insects that are involved in these processes as well, because surely there's going to be some reaction where there's, you know, the spores are flying and it affects different things. You know, it, it just becomes immensely like, complex and also very much like wow so if i do one thing then you could conceivably affect everything else one tree that's doing really well like a big big they would call it like a mother tree Mm. that tree might actually literally be helping all the other smaller trees survive because they're not getting as much light because the rest of the forest is shady Hmm. or shading them out so then all of a sudden you get one tree that is literally growing and supplying all the food for all these other trees around going through their network of roots and fungus because their their roots also do graft and connect so we shouldn't take that away um but now if you have a whole forest of these big trees then uh, these big trees will help all these little trees survive and you realize oh my god this is not just an ecosystem, like it's an active factory where things are flowing and coming and going yeah. in, in, a, in a way that you just can't, like as soon as you start to like say, okay, I'm going to take one particle of this and I'm going to watch it go down. Oh, then it goes back up. Oh, then it goes over here. Then it moves over here. Then it turns to this. Then it comes over here. And you see that in millions of individual molecules across yeah. an individual cell. It's no, co- I mean like, I don't think I'm overstating here. It's no coincidence that this this whole thing sounds so much like a human body. It totally does. Like the way a human body and all the systems and all of the all of the different types of cells work. Specialization. Together. Yeah, man. Then they're all like working in perfect well, there we of course have fingers crossed disease and injury and stuff, but yeah. uh they all work kind of by themselves without us even trying. Like yeah, it's like well, it's our, kind of beautiful. Exactly. Is this all just temperature gradient and uh, osmosis? <laughs> is that what's making us function right mm-hmm. now? Theoretically. Yeah. But anyway, that's a that's a quick discussion without getting into too much detail. Without getting into too much detail, <laughs> he says. Bungle associates. <laughs> like this is why we think, hey, you guys are so amazing because I think that that description is you know it's I think it's important because if you think about it like a human body or like the city. You can't. A city is not just a conglomeration of people. We are all interdependent on each other in literally almost every way. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how to bake bread. I don't know how to grow the wheat and crush the wheat and do all these things. You know, so if we didn't have this big network of things, then we would all just kind of perish. Same thing with trees. One tree can survive on its own. It can learn how to do it all and it can do it all. Like there's no problem with that. But as soon as you get this big group together, they're all dependent on each other at some point, especially to get as big as they can get. Because you can't, you can imagine like, yeah, that one tree is huge. I have yet to see a 300 or 400, oh no, okay, 300 or 350 foot tall tree that's 12 and 15 feet in diameter growing by itself with yeah. nothing else around it. Yeah. I don't think anyone has ever seen that. Yeah, Other man. than a baobab tree, but that's that's you know somewhat different. It's making me kind of sentimental for the for the podcast that we've made and like I mean not for the podcast that we've I've of course enjoyed making this podcast. Oh, of with course. You. Uh this is our final episode, by the way. Thank you guys um. so much. <laughs> this has been so great. My retirement is imminent. <laughs> 
wow, we did we did that well in our first three months. We're both retiring. <laughs> oh yeah, I bought a Lamborghini the other day. <laughs> oh shit, what am I doing? Where's my paycheck? <laughs> oh sorry, Alex, I changed all the passwords. <laughs> but like the community that sort of, I mean, you know, we we got some runoff from your ologies uh, appearances, and and then I feel like we got some new people that hadn't heard of all or hadn't listened to ologies. Yeah, and definitely. Everybody's like interacting with each other in the comment sections and like you know recommending our podcast to friends and like sending us emails and support supporting us on the patreon like if you're listening to this right now you are paying us money to you know to support us and like man it's just like and we everybody's so nice and like everybody's so freaking sweet and supportive well it's a community at the at yeah. the base level that's it's a fundamental kind of description of it yeah if, if it feels i, th- I think uh, it feels apt to to call our our listenership the fungal associates because we could not be doing this if we wouldn't be doing this if nobody was listening I yeah exactly think, yeah i appreciate that sentiment alex i really do yeah well, hey we love you guys we love you guys <laughs> thank you for listening well, there it is. And then, uh, yeah, so post any questions that you have or you want to get more into, and we can kind of uh, hopefully discuss this a little bit. But ideally, we're also going to put some of this um, kind of information in the mainline episodes as well. But yeah. nothing near this in-depth, unfortunately. We just don't have the time. No. Yeah, and I, and also, you know, we this this episode is about fungus. Dang straight. We plan on, on continuing. <laughs> Good work. Uh, t- ten twenty six p.m. <laughs> I'm usually asleep right now, so forgive me for my verbal gumbles. Uh, we plan on continuing our "What Is" series with a "What Is a" you know we had "What Is a Tree." We're we're talking you know what is a leaf, what is a root, mm-hmm. what is uh, soil. We're gonna get into all that good stuff. That's gonna be great. Uh, right, Casey? <laughs> That's right. I say that as I'm like writing down the things that I now have to start you know learning about. Let's get researching. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Hearts and kisses.